We've all heard it before. It's who you know. Welcome to Social Capital, a weekly podcast that dives into social relationships and why the investment you put into them is so important. Your host, Lori Hybe, will connect with industry-leading professionals and dive into their networking experiences and expert advice. Lori Hybe here. Welcome to the Social Capital Podcast. Our show notes are found at socialcapitalpodcast.com. A quick message to you, the listener. I want you to know that I appreciate you and I'm thrilled to have you here for another amazing episode. If there's ever anything that I can do to support you, please reach out. That being said, here's two ways that you can connect with me. If you'd like to get more involved in the networking conversation, join our Facebook group at Social Capital Network, the community of trust, reciprocity, and relationships. LinkedIn is also the channel that you'll find me on. Just search for Lori Hybe. You can simply click the follow button as I post daily information about marketing strategy, tips, all podcast episodes, and any upcoming events. If you'd like to connect, make sure to send a note with your connection request that references social capital. I can't wait to hear from you. Social Capital Podcast is sponsored by Keystone Click, a strategic digital marketing agency that believes in order to successfully market to your ideal customer, you first need to understand that customer. Learn more about Keystone Click's customer journey process at keystoneclick.com. Today's guest is Ben Baker. Ben has been helping his clients communicate for the last quarter of a century. He is the author of two books on personal branding and leadership, host of the five-year and syndicated yourlivingbrand.live show, and the executive producer of the Communicate Your Why program. Ben's mission is to help companies and the people within them communicate more effectively internally, to create opportunities for people to listen and understand and act in ways that drive culture, goals, and profitability. Ben, welcome to the show. Lori, you're hired to do my PR anytime you want. (laughs) Well, you sent the bio. Well, you know, but you read it so well. So thank you. It's It's a great bio. Thank you. Fun to read. <laughs> you know what? I try to make it shorter and shorter. You know, one of these days it's going to be, here's Ben, and that'll be good enough. You know, it's, you know, because it, it, over the years, these bios get longer and longer and longer. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'm not really that important. I just, you know, I just like to have conversations with people. Yeah, I, I, I'm totally on board with you. I want to make it as concise as possible. Uh, as soon as you said that, I was thinking Game of Thrones. Um, oh, I can't think of the character, but he says, yeah, I drink wine and I know things. I'm like, that's my bio. Perfect. <laughs> oh, we got a lot of fun things to talk about. And I love bringing people on that have a marketing background because I know we can just talk for hours upon hours. But, you know, we'll, we'll keep it concise. No problem. You know, you lead, I'll dance backwards in high heels. So, you know, you, you got the lead on this one. Um, let's talk about internal communication a little bit. So why is ineffective internal communication costing companies a fortune? Yeah, I mean, here's the statistics, and it comes from Inc. Magazine, that $37 billion a year is wasted on an ineffective internal communication. For companies 100,000 employees and above, that's $62 million a company on average. Companies of 100 employees, $420,000 a year. And it really comes down to the left hand not knowing what the right hand is doing, silos, ineffective communication, not proper handoffs, et cetera. And just things get missed. You know, things get missed and things get misunderstood. Things get duplicated. And all of this costs money. It costs frustration. 
you know, it leads to ineffective leadership and all sorts of things that's really a, a big cause of the, uh, the great resignation right now. Well, I believe that. So what are some, what are some of the biggest challenges you see right now with the great resignation? Well, I think the great resignation, I mean, first of all, let's, let's get it right. You know, right now, the problem is, and I have an article coming out in the next five to 10 days about this, that I've called rearranging deck chairs in the Titanic. And the problem with the great resignation is we all know what we don't want, but we can't define what we do want. It's like mm -hmm. pornography. I know, what, I know what it looks like when I see it, but I can't define it. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, is that people sit there going, I don't like this. I'm unhappy here. I'm leaving but they don't know what they want and they don't know what they're looking for. So when they go out looking for their next job, they go into a company and what they have to realize is the reason there's probably a job opening is because somebody else was frustrated and left. Mm -hmm. And from the company point of view, a lot of companies are not doing exit interviews, figuring out why people are leaving, what the frustrations are, where the bottlenecks are in their companies, what are the processes, procedures, cultural issues, leadership issues, communication issues that are going on internally in their company right now that are causing frustration and causing people to leave. So you have companies not taking the time and the energy to realize what the issues are and try to do what it takes to fix them. And you have people you know, within the companies doing this gut check, I'm out of here. And, you know, and the combination of which is just right now rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic and it's going to cause a mess for the next 18 to 24 months. I love the name of that, the title that you've got for this, this article. Um, and, and it is, it's a long standing challenge. You can't just snap your fingers and it's magically fixed. I mean, oh, no. you gotta do the research, figure out what is the core issue, build the plan to say, this is how we're going to resolve it. And then it's a probably a long road to fully implement it. Well, yeah. I mean, culture change change in any way, shape, or form within a company takes time. Mm -hmm. It takes time. It takes money. It takes dedication. It takes leadership. It takes communication. And everybody has to be on board from the CEO down. I get so many CEOs can come in and say, well, can you fix my people? And the first answer I say is no. Because first of all, if you're not bought in as a leader, if you're not willing to walk the walk and talk the talk and do what you say and say what you do, that it doesn't really matter what we change underneath the, within the organization, people will see that there's two sets of rules, not understand what really is important, and the cycle continues. Mm -hmm. Yep, unfortunately. So um, talking about leaders a little bit, what is the biggest skill set that these leaders need to improve upon? And I mean, not just the great resignation, but right now in the hybrid workforce. I, I know I have my own personal challenges with managing remote. Um, that was a huge hurdle to overcome because in my well, entire professional career, I'd never had remote team members. <laughs> totally different. Well, I think the first thing that leaders need to get over is the fact that they think they all need to be perfect. Mm -hmm. We don't. Nobody expects you to be perfect. Nobody expects you not to make mistakes. What they expect you to do is admit when you make a mistake and work to fix it. And whether that's, you know, employees that are right in front of you, you know, remote, hybrid workforce, whatever, we're going to make mistakes because guess what? What hit us all in March 2020 or whatever, you know, the great panic actually happened within your organization 
you know, happened to everybody. And 99% of organizations did not have a plan for this. Probably 99.9% of, yep. you know, population workforces didn't have a plan for this. Whatever was their business plan moving forward, got ripped up, shredded, thrown in the fireplace and incinerated. And we're all dealing with stuff that we don't know, that we've never seen before, that we have lots of questions about, that we're inse we have insecurities amongst ourselves of how do I handle this? Am I doing it the right way? Am I doing it the wrong way? Do people like me? Do they not like me? Are they listening to me? Are they not listening to me? And the thing you can be is, is to care about people and be interested in people and actually have conversations with people, you know, not just as a team, but individually and say, hey, how am I doing? As a leader, how am I doing? And be able to say, what are the things that I'm doing well? What are the things that you think that I could do better? And how can I support you better? Mm -hmm. And take the ego out of it and actually listen and sit there going, okay, well, I can do this, but I can't do this. And this is why. Here's how we can augment this. This is how we can change. This is how we can make things better. This, you know what? I understand what you're saying about this, but there's nothing we can do about this because of this, this, this. How can we work around this? And you know that has to happen with individuals. It has to happen with teams. It has to happen with divisions. And it has to happen with organizations. And we need to have better effective communication and not assume that what happened in 2019, 2018, 2017 is going to de facto work in 2022. Mm -hmm. Totally agree with that. And you said one of the words that I call my team out on constantly, which is the word assume. We all know what that means, right? Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's a combination of two words. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's anytime I hear someone say, well, I just assume like, oh, oh hold on, hold on. <laughs> what did you just say? Assumptions are dangerous. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. We don't make assumptions here. Um, I, I agree with you hundred percent. And I, it, it is, it's a learning. Um, it, it, a lot of leaders have to learn how to how to lead in that way and to um, obtain and be open to that constructive feedback. Um, you know, getting getting feedback from uh, those that you're that you're in charge of, I think, is extremely important. Because at the end of the day, I, you're giving feedback. A good good leaders will give constructive criticism to the, the individuals that they're leading. Um, it should go both ways. It it shouldn't be a one way street on you know how to become better at anything that you're doing? Well, it's expectations and accountability. Uh -huh. You can't have accountability without understood and agreed upon expectations. Expectations of me as a leader for my team and the, and the expectation of my team for me. My team needs to know that, you know what, I've got their back. I'm going to protect them. I'm going to communicate with them. I'm going to let them know what the goals are. I'm going to let them know what's important. I'm going to let them know what the challenges are coming down the pipe. And I'm going to let them know how what they do affects other people. You know, that's important. As a team, you know, the leader needs to know, I'm going to give you guys a task to do. And I'm going, I don't really care how you get it done. I don't care when you get it done, as long as it's done on time and it's right. And it doesn't, and you, you're not going to be late because you're, you, if you are late, you're going to affect other people. So it's giving people the trust to sit there and say, look, this is what needs to be done you as an individual need to figure out what's the best way for you to get it done right in on time. Love it. Love it. This is a good time to pause for a quick message from our sponsor. 
Social Capital is sponsored by Keystone Click. Located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Keystone Click is a strategic digital marketing agency focused on helping their clients generate and nurture opportunities online. For Social Capital listeners, they've created an awesome Guide to Profits booklet featuring 42 tips on how to build brand awareness, generate leads, and nurture those opportunities online. Visit keystoneclick.com backslash profits to download your own guide today. Ben, the purpose of my show is really heavily focused on, on networking mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and networking is, I mean, it's building relationships. And just as we were talking about earlier, it communication is a critical part of this, um, of all relationship building rapport. But my goal is to alleviate any fears that people have when they hear this word. So I hope you can help me do that. And can you share with our listeners your most successful or favorite networking experience that you've had? Yeah, one of my favorite networking experiences, something I do quarterly. Um, quarterly, I go up, and it hasn't happened as much during COVID. Um, but for years, I go up to one of the universities and spend an entire day with the third and fourth year marketing department. And there's usually two to 300 kids. And we teach them how to network and we teach them how to interview. And a lot of it comes down to small group networking, teaching them how to engage a group. If you're coming in from the outside, how to engage a group, how to become part of a conversation, how to not monopolize a conversation, how to add value without seeming self-important, how to be able to to listen to understand before you speak and to be able to demonstrate your value in, in that setting. And it's getting them to understand that it's not about getting every single business card. It's not about meeting every single person. It's about meeting the right person. Year after year after year, I usually take the mic at the beginning of the session and I say, look, there's 300 of you in the room. I want every single person here by the end of this semester to be connected to each other on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, whatever the organization you guys use on a a regular basis, make sure that you guys are all connected because in three years, five years, 10 years from now, you're gonna need something. And the people that you went to university with are gonna be an enormous network for you to be able to help you get the things that you need because they're gonna know stuff that you don't know and they're gonna know people that you don't. And I, I, that's probably one of my favorite networking things that I do on a regular basis. Love it. Yeah. I, I used to, um, was an adjunct at the local university and I would push so hard for the students to connect with each other and connect with me and any guest speakers I brought in, like literally anyone you meet connect with on, on LinkedIn, because you have no idea how they're going to be able to be a resource to you down the road. Absolutely. But I'll tell you something, my biggest pet peeve, and you know, I have a fairly large network on LinkedIn. What drives me nuts is people who just hit the connect button. They they don't put a note, they don't put a note in there. There's no personal, there's no reason for you to understand who is this person? Like, why are they connecting with me? And quite honestly, six out of 10 of those people that just hit the connect button with me get ignored. They really do because I don't know who they are. I don't know who they're connected to. I don't know why they're getting in touch with me. It's obvious as soon as they're going to connect with me, they're going to try to sell me something and they get either blocked or they get ignored. The problem is, is then there's the other ones who you sit there and say, okay, these are the people that took the time. They connected with me. All right, I'll connect with them. And I send them a quick note saying, hey, thanks for reaching out. What piqued your interest? And you hear crickets. 
why are you connecting with me if I reach back and you don't have the time or the energy to send me a, back a quick note? You know, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, whatever you do, it's all about connections. It's all building a human connection to each other. It's not just about the numbers. It's not just about, I've got more people in my network than you do. It's about how, how engaged you are with that, with that audience that you've cultivated and created. I agree. <clears throat> and I, I would say uh, 100%, it is a, quite a pet peeve of mine as well, if you're not going to leave a, a comment or a note. And I don't know if you, you noticed when I kind of read my intro here that if you're going to connect with me on LinkedIn, at least reference social capital in your connection request. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so how do you stay in front of and best nurture your network in your community? You know, it's interesting because, you know, I, I'm let's, let's take my on, online community. Realistically, I have close to 10,000 connections. I can't keep in touch with 10,000 connections. It's, it really is you know, there's a, there's a core group of people, 100, 200, 300 people that we connect at least weekly. At least weekly, I comment on their posts, they comment on my posts, they send me a, uh, uh, you know, a, a private message, we get on a Zoom call, we get on a phone call, we talk to each other, we introduce other people that, that are like-minded people. Those are the core people. Those are truly, of, of the 10,000 people that I have that are connections or followers of mine, those are the people that are truly my network. Everybody else pretty much is a follower. And, you know, realistically, that's a lot of people to, to, to connect with. That's a lot of people to be able to be connected to, to engage with, to be, you know, to be mindful of. And, you know, that's what we need to be. We need to put in the hard work on a daily, weekly, monthly basis to keep connected to these people and just reach out and say, hey, I haven't talked to you a bit. How are you doing? You know, for instance, uh, just before our interview, I got a, a note that said one of my key contacts, somebody that I interviewed on my podcast middle of last year has just take, been taken over as the CEO of, of an organization. So I sent her a note to just wish her congratulations. Well, she popped one back to me and says, Ben, yeah, we need to catch up. I haven't talked to you in five or six months. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's just, it's little things like that, that people sit there going, oh my God, Ben cares about me. He's mm -hmm. not trying to sell me anything. He's not, doesn't have an agenda. He's just reaching out to say hello. And he's just reaching out to see how am I doing? You know, what's going on in my life? And I find that, you know, it's, it's Zig Ziglar that said, you can have everything that you want in life when you help other people get what they want in life. And I'm mm -hmm. paraphrasing, but that I think that's one of my favorite, you know, my favorite comments uh, in, in terms of, of how to help people. Love it. I think that's fantastic. Uh, yeah, I, I'm a fan of le really leveraging digital for that one-to-many type of messaging to stay in front of individuals, but that one-to-one -one outreach can be so powerful and impactful with just a simple, how are you doing? Like you said, or congrats Absolutely. or whatever, you know, I think those little, little tidbits can, can just reach so far at the end of the day. It's worth, worth the time investment hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story and this is, this is kind of fun. 
Uh, Cody Bateman owns Send Out Cards. You know, they're, they're worldwide, enormous organization. If you ever get a chance, they do really interesting things. They allow you to send a digital, uh, not a digital card, an actual physical card with your signature and your handwriting on it anywhere in the world. And for businesses and individuals, it's a great way to, to personalize, personally connect with people. I have a really good friend of mine that has been part of the organization for years. She was gracious enough to introduce me to Cody to be on my show a year, year and a half ago. Just before I interviewed Cody, I saw a picture in the paper. There was a picture of him, um, Dr. Ivan Meisner, who started BNI, mm -hmm. and Bob Berg, who wrote The Go-Giver. Mm -hmm. And the three of them were, were speaking at a conference together. And at the end of my interview with Cody, I, you know, I, you know, he said, well, you know, that was a great interview. Is there anything I can do for you? I said, actually, you know, I noticed that you were at a conference recently with, with Cody, uh, with um, Dr. Ivan Meisner and Bob Berg. Do you know either one of them? He says, yeah, I know Bob fairly well. I said, great. Um, would you mind introducing me to him? Because I'd love to have him on, on my show. 10 minutes later, there's an email to the two of us. 10 minutes later, Bob Berg is booked, booked to be on my show. Awesome. Now, and then Bob, turned around and introduced me to Ivan and I had Ivan on my show. Cool. So it was, it was one of those things that, you know, you let your network, if you tell your network what you're trying to do and you, if you're gracious and you're professional and you're above board and you're not, you know, just constantly being a needy person, it's amazing the things they will do to help you out. Love that. So fun fact, I've had both Bob Berg and Dr. Ivan Meiser on my show um, but I haven't had Cody, so maybe you can make an intro to me so that I, the, I could certainly try. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Love it. Um, and those were both fantastic guests and I'm I would love to listen to the episodes that you had with them. Cause I really enjoyed interviewing oh, both of those individuals. All, all three are extremely gracious, wonderful people. Love they it. truly are. Um, Here's a fun one for you. If you could go back to your 20 year old self, what would you tell yourself to do more of less of or differently with regards to your professional career? I, I think the first word would be patience. I think when we're all 20 years old and, you know, and it may, may be a male trait. It may just be the fact that we were 20, you know, we think that time is, is fleeting at, at a million miles an hour. And if we're not, you know, a millionaire by the time we're 25, if we're not the vice president of X, Y, and Z, by the time we're 25, we're a failure. Well, guess what? We're not. We're just starting our lives. We're just at the point where we're, our, our job is to learn. Our job is to keep our ears open and our eyes open and to realize that we, we know very little in the scheme of things. And our job is to befriend the people that, and, and, find the mentors and the coaches that can help us gain the skills and the attitude and the, and the, the provenance to be able to be that person we want to become. And I think that, you know, tell people to sit there and say, you know what, our job when we're 20 is to not to know everything. Our job when we're 20 is to find people that know more than we do and sit back and watch and listen. I love it. It's hard to do it. Do you think you'd, if you told yourself that when you were 20 years old, would you have followed that instruction? I think I would have, I would have questioned it. I, <laughs> I truly would have quite, it, you know, it all depends on who it came from. Sure. Yep. It all depends on how it was presented. 
And it all depends on how many times I've been kicked in the teeth <laughs> by the time you were 20. I mean, that's the beautiful thing. By the time you're 20 to 25, you get kicked in the teeth a lot. Uh-huh. You, you do. And, and I, and we all did. Um, and I think it's, it's not how many times you fall down. It's how many times you get back up. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, we all need to sit there and say, this is a long game. You know, I'm, oh God, you know, I'm a long way from 20 years old. And I, I've come to realize that at every stage of my life, there's lessons to be learned. There's new lessons to be learned. And, and, you, and you view things differently at 52 than I ever would have 20. You know, and my, my perception of the world and my perception of people and my ideas of what's really important, you know, are, are far different today than they were, you know, 32 years ago. Oh, I agree 100% with all of that. The, the, the time difference between you and me is a little different, though. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, but I look young. That's the important thing. 100%. There we do you, go. Do you feel young? That's important. absolutely. I mean, here's the thing is, is that, you know, I feel like I'm always learning something. My, my dad did not shut down his commercial renovation company until he was 77 years old. And, you know, he just at 77, he decided, you know what, enough is enough. It's time to go off and do something different and time to, you know, ha- have a different, uh, you know, a, a different career and a different life. And, you know, and he moved on. But to the time he was 77 years old, he loved what he did. And he was always learning. He was always doing something different. I mean, my dad was one of the first people to have a Macintosh computer in 1984. He built, you know, he built software for Apple, you know, and 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 uh, and, and got a, a license to to sell software and, and hardware in Vancouver because of it, uh, you know. So it's it's always realizing that no matter what you know, there's always something more to learn, and that's that's what keeps me young, and that's what keeps me excited. Love it, that's great. All right, I'm going to give you the opportunity to interview me now. What's something you'd like to ask me? You know, for me. What I always love to ask people is, what are you passionate about? <laughs> Let's, if, if you really, really knew me, you would know the answer to that question. But I think that I'm very vocal about my passions. Um, hockey is probably one of the biggest ones up there. I, I love marketing. I love learning, education, um, cooking. I love experiencing things, actually. Okay, and how do all of those things together make you a better person? I think the more unique experiences you have, the broader, the more perspectives you're gaining, the, the broader your, um, your mind and opinions are. I guess, it, I don't know, each, each unique experience creates an, the unique identity of each individual. So yeah. I think the more experiences that someone has, the more unique that they are, I guess, you know, it's, it's something, I don't know if I'm saying that the right way. <laughs> you know what? It's not the answer itself. It's, it's, it's the thought process behind it. Sure. You know, because every single person will answer those two questions completely differently. Totally. And it's, you find out a lot about people and this gets back to networking, mm-hmm. you know, I love asking the question in a networking thing. What are you passionate about? Not what do you do? Not where do you live? What are you passionate about? Because you find out so much more about a person 
And they realize that you actually care about them when you're asking that question, because you're getting down to the root of who they are as a person. Love it. Ben, what final word do you have to share with our listeners with regards to growing and supporting your network? You know what? This is the year that I'm calling possibility. Every year I come up with a new word, you know, that, that is my mantra for that year. And this year is possibility. Love it. Always be open to opportunities. Always be, keep your eye open, your ears open, and always be, keep your heart open to sit there and say, you know what? Not why not, but what if? And if we can all sit there and ask the question, what if it's going to be a much better year this year? I love it. I love it. Uh, if anyone was interested in connecting with you, what's the best way they can reach you? You know, the best way to get in touch with me is either through LinkedIn, but you know, you can find me through my website is probably the best way to, to get to me through social media, my phone number, email, all that. It's yourbrandmarketing.com. If you go to yourbrandmarketing.com, that's the conduit to everything. All right. That's fantastic. We will include all of that information in our show notes. Ben, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today. Hey, Lori, I had a blast. I, you know, Thanks for having me on. And I love the conversation. Oh, for sure. It's easy, fun, and hopefully helpful and resourceful to our listeners. All right, this wraps up our episode of Social Capital. Huge thank you to Ben for taking the time to connect with us. And as I mentioned before, let's definitely connect on LinkedIn, connect with me, connect with Ben. We're definitely looking forward to hearing from you. I hope you enjoyed today's show. And most importantly, go reach out and connect with someone. Reconnect with someone from your past or find someone new that you'd like to connect with. That's what it's all about. Go build those relationships. That's all for this episode of the Social Capital Podcast. Visit socialcapitalpodcast.com for show notes, more episodes, and to see who will be on the show next. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode.